0: Hi, my name is Pastor Trish Moore. I am the operations pastor at the Chapel Collective, of which ACC is a part. And I'm so glad you're a part of it because I love your church. And I know I don't get to come here very often. Um, You probably know my face more from church news announcements than from physically being here, and that sucks. So we're fixing that. Um, And so I'm really, really glad to be here. Um, There's a lot of familiar faces to me in the room, which I'm so glad to catch up with. And there's a lot of new faces for me, so. Please hang around. I'd love to meet you and to get to know you better. Um, As Luke just said, we are starting a new series this morning called In Pursuit of Purpose. How good is that? I think it's so, 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 so good. I'm so excited about it because what I love about God is that he actually has a plan and a purpose for each and every individual in this room. How good is that? Even when we kind of don't feel like it, <laughs> regardless of how we feel about it, he actually has a purpose, a unique purpose for you on this planet, and uh, and that means he knows you, and it means he sees you, and that's pretty cool. And I'm glad I get to talk about that this morning, because um, have you noticed that so many people go through life without a plan? That's a thing. Um, some of us more than others, some of us, can I, can I get a wave of the people who are planners in the room? You have the list makers, the <laughs> organized amongst us, okay? Yes, you are my people. <laughs> um, and everybody else? You like to wing it? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. I, and that works out sometimes, right? Yeah. Most of the time. Sometimes. Uh, well, I, try, I tried that once. I tried living like that one time. One time. <laughs> uh, so a couple of years ago, I signed up for a mud run. And that's one of those obstacle courses where you have to work as a team to get over obstacles that are too high to climb on your own. And uh, you've got to wade through ice pools and belly crawl through mud pits and stuff like that. Yeah, you might be wa- asking why on earth. Would you sign up for something like that? And that's a good question because I asked myself that question about 600 times while doing it. (laughs) But the answer was it was for charity. So that puts all the pressure on like you've got to finish (laughs) because you took money on behalf of other people. So my husband and I signed up together and uh, even my kids signed up and they were way more hardcore than me. (laughs) And um, the day came and my son had to play soccer before the mud run. Um, And it was about five degrees outside in Tamworth. I know that this is just normal for you guys. I get it. But I am not acclimatized to five degrees. And then there was a wind chill factor. And then it started sleeting. It was May. It was not okay. (coughs) Also bad planning. By God. (laughs) So I was a good soccer mum. I was a very good soccer mum, and I stuck it out, huddled in my jacket, and I cheered him on for 45 minutes in the freezing cold. And by the end of the game, I'm cold to the bone. He's fine, because he's been running back and forward the entire time. So this is how I begin the mud run. (laughs) Okay, So we race across town, we get into our gear, off we go, and I start to race off with my husband. And it only takes me about 45 seconds to remember two important things about my husband and I. Number one, my husband is really competitive. You know, Dee. (laughs) Um, The second thing was I was really unfit. Really, really unfit. So by the time we get to the first hurdle that we need to help each other over, my husband has bounded over the top with some other fit, warm people, and they are already out of sight. And I'm standing at the base of this thing going, oh, no. (laughs) because now uh, I I realise I I forgot to make a plan with my husband, Dan, to um, stick together at all costs (laughs) on this particular thing. And so um, consequently, I had to wait for the next group of people to arrive so that we could work together to get over this obstacle. And here's the problem. I (laughs) I don't really know these people. (laughs) And, um, well, in order to get over this thing, (laughs) I have to have someone kind of shove me from behind. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it was really, really awkward and a really bad way to get to know someone. (laughs) Because they had a very uncoordinated, ungraceful view of my rear end for most of the day. (laughs) <laughs> I was totally mortified and then I realised I had to do the same thing for them which was equally awful and, uh, and so I was cursing my lack of planning very quickly and my husband is nowhere in sight because he's probably already finished but I persist because it's for charity so I'm determined to finish the thing <laughs> and I did, I finished it. Um, I ended up going home with hypothermia literally not as a joke actual <laughs> hypothermia and a big grudge against my husband and to this day <laughs> to this day if I am cold and I hop into a hot shower my fingertips still turn black <laughs> It's so fun so if anyone is asking you do you want to do this fun thing <laughs> called a mud run don't do it or go with a team and plan ahead people So, Pastor Craig Rochelle says, everyone ends up somewhere in life, but few end up there on purpose, which is a pretty cool saying. And this series is about finding our purpose and deliberately digging for our vision. Yeah? The literal definition for vision is the faculty or state of being able to see. That's that's good. Hopefully, most of us can see. Okay, but more broadly, what we're talking about here is the ability to think about or plan the future with imagination and maybe some wisdom. I think they're a good combination. Um, so that's what we're looking at today. Proverbs twenty-nine eighteen says, "Where there is no vision, the people perish." And the verse goes on to say, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. And that's, that's a key. But we're going to look at the first half of that verse for now and, um, and think about that principle and how it relates to purpose. Because it's something that humanity has always identified as important to pursue. Isn't that interesting? It doesn't matter what religion you believe in. A common question asked by people is, why am I here? why am I here? We are wired to search for meaning and it's my belief that it's our creator drawing us ever to himself. But psychologists and counsellors have identified it as a core human need and these are some of the benefits that they've identified for people having a specific purpose or vision. So it helps you stay focused When you know your life's purpose, it becomes easier to focus on what matters the most in your life. You're able to find your direction and stay away from the distractions. You can define your yes and you can define your no. And that's a pretty cool thing for for those of us who have trouble making decisions. (laughs) It makes you passionate about your goal. Knowing Knowing your purpose helps you find your passion. And the passion becomes an important driver for you to achieve something extraordinary. Whether it's a childhood dream or a newly adopted lifestyle, the passion will push you to reach your goal. It gives you life clarity. People who know their purpose shape their life accordingly. People who don't know their purpose are not clear about what they want. It makes you feel gratified. When you have a purpose in life, you express it and you base your decisions and your thoughts and your feelings and your actions around that overarching purpose. A person who knows their purpose tends to make a greater impact through the work that they do, the relationships that they have, which encourages a feeling of gratification. I did a good job because I know what my job is. Yeah? It makes you live with integrity because when you know yourself, it becomes easier to live a life that's true to your values. It encourages trust. People who know their purpose report a deepening sense of trust and faith in other people. Isn't that interesting? Hence, they consider themselves part of something larger than themselves, i.e. it makes it easier to serve other people. It infuses an element of grace in your life. People living their life with purpose often report to be living their life with grace. And that's an interesting word for me to find in in a psychology article. Living with grace. It helps you with persistence. They allow things to happen and change in their life Rather than fighting against it, they tend to challenge themselves and battle against their fears. And it makes life even more fun. When people know their purpose in life, they're able to take pleasure in living a purpose-driven life. And they're better at tackling a situation in a creative way. These are, these are pretty great benefits, I think, of having a purpose. And I love that they've I pulled those out and I identified them, but the Bible had this wisdom long before the study of psychology locked onto it. And I love that about the Word of God. It's applicable in every situation because God knows we need purpose. He knows we need direction. He knows we need hope for the future. This is the stuff that fuels us, that drives us. He remarkably invites us into partnership with him to shape this world and impact the people in it. Can you just think about that for a second? That's incredible. That's incredible. What a privilege. Ephesians 2:10 says, "For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do." Let me change that up. Which God prepared in advance for you to do. Colossians 1:9 to 10. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of His will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honour and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. I love this verse because we see here that it's possible to come to God and ask Him. We're allowed to do that. You know, that's something that I've actually restrained myself from doing in the past, I'm like, oh, look, um, you know, God will, God will reveal it when, if, when, when, if. <laughs> Let's not be timid. We are allowed to come before the throne room of God and speak to our Father and say, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? We can come to him and ask about direction and we can ask him about purpose. There are two things to go, two ways to go through life. We can try to be aware of our purpose and pursue it, or we can leave that call unanswered. We can remain timid. And when we choose to be intentional, we live the same peaks and valleys of life as everyone else. Sorry about that, but we do. (laughs) But we experience them differently. Because the peaks and valleys in the life of a person, aware of their purpose, can strengthen them. And it can ultimately lead them to greater well-being because you know it's for a reason. You know it strengthens you and you know you can use it towards something else. And that's pretty powerful. If we live without a purpose, life just happens. And we kind of get tossed and turned with the wind and it kind of doesn't end up making sense. And that's just not the way I want to live. I don't want to feel like that. Without an intentional parent, plan everything tends to become a reaction right (laughs) marriage without a plan you can carry on happily until you aren't happy and then in reaction try to fix things anyone ever been reactive to their spouse how did that go for you (laughs) health what about health Without a plan, you carry on happily until you can't eat like you did when you were 14. And then you have to do something about it. And usually there's something about it is so boring and it's hard and it tastes like cardboard. <laughs> Finance without a plan. You go the way of everybody else until you have credit card debt, have more expenses than income, and then again you're taking drastic measures to readjust your life and it's painful. So the question is, How do you get vision for your life? How do you get an intentional plan? So today what I want to do is spend time looking at some ways that people in the Bible did it and found it, how they decided on a plan for the season that they were in. Because it's likely that we're all going to have more than one, (laughs) more than one purpose as we reach across the seasons of our lives. So the first person I want to look at is Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah is... Serving King Artaxerxes, the king of Persia, during the exile of Israel. And some of the Israelites have been allowed to return to Jerusalem, but the king has forbidden them from rebuilding the city. And Nehemiah hears about the hardships of his people as a consequence of that decree. Because they're without protection from their enemies. Um, We pick up the story in Nehemiah 1, verses 2 to 4. Hanani, you can... I, I'm assuming the pronouncement on that name. Good. <laughs> Nani, one of my brothers came from Judah with some other men and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Now this hearing this places a deep burden on Nehemiah. He takes the problem to the Lord. He prays and he fasts for days as he formulates a plan. And then he approaches the king in Nehemiah 2.3. I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look, not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? This was a very bold reply to a king who's like, why does your face look like that? This is the king who told them they cannot build. And after Nehemiah prays and fasts, he's like, you know what? I'm just going to get bold. I'm going to say why it's not okay. And what happens next translates into a vision for Nehemiah's life where he becomes the protagonist for the rebuilding of not just a wall, but his people. So Nehemiah had a burden, which led to a vision. That's one way we might find it. Let's take a look at Esther. Esther is living in exile Interestingly, in the same city as Nehemiah, but served the previous king, Xerxes. We'll pick up her story in Esther 3, 13 to 15. So dispatches were sent by couriers to all the king's provinces with the order to destroy, kill and annihilate all the Jews, young and old, women and children, on a single day, the 13th day of the 12th month, the month of Adar, and to plunder their goods. A copy of the text of the edict was to be issued as law in every province and made known to the people of every nationality so that they would be ready for that day. The couriers went out, spurred on by the king's command, and the edict was issued in the citadel of Susa. The king and Haman sat down to drink, but the city of Susa was bewildered. So, nice guy, King Xerxes. Um, Esther was... Uh, For those of you who don't know the story, a beautiful young woman who was chosen to be married to the king. And so she finds herself right in the middle of this unfolding drama. She happened to be a Jewish woman. And so the edict would apply to her as well as to everybody else. And uh, in Esther 4, verse 12 to 17, um, we see her relative um, give her a little prompt here. It says, do not think I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. Often they were killed for approaching the king without permission. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. So how did Esther find her vision? Esther had a report that came to her. Her uncle asked her to act. She was too afraid She found her courage and then began to make a plan. Sometimes it's allowed to be messy. And you're allowed to not get it right the first time. And you're allowed to have people kind of urge you and prompt you and encourage you along the way. And it's okay to speak up even if your voice is shaking. Let's move on to Joseph. Genesis 37, 5 to 11. Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers... They hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. So Joseph had a God-given dream, but it would take years in the refining and the outworking. It would involve massive hardship for him before it would come to fruition. A lifetime before it came to fruition. A lot of detours along the way. And that might be the kind of feeling that some of you have as well. That God gave you a dream and there's been a lot of distraction and a lot of detours along the way. But take Joseph's life as an encouragement. God does not forget you. God does not forget your purpose. He has created you for something and he will not waste you. Moses, Exodus 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Anybody else? I'm going to. (laughs) When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt." Let me just pause there. Moses had been in the desert for a really long time. He was perfectly happy with his life as it was. Perfectly happy. Um, being unseen. That's how he wanted it. And, and then now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people <laughs> out of Egypt. Is a big, big change of plan. And so Moses says to God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Don't you love that the sign was like, you'll know when you've done it. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Moses was completely interrupted by a plan that was too big for his brain to even comprehend Um, and You know, the purpose of his life didn't fit with the quiet life he created for himself. He'd escaped the drama of his youth. He wasn't looking for it. He had no confidence in himself to complete it, but there it was, interrupting his plans. So sometimes it can look like that. Sometimes it can look like that. 1 Samuel 3 1 to 11. We see Samuel. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, there were not many visions. But one night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was laying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. And again, the Lord said, Samuel, Samuel got up and went to Eli and he said, here I am. You called me, my son. Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. And then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. If he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in this place. The Lord came and stood there calling as, as the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. I love that sentence. I'm like, yeah, do that. Make my ears tingle, Jesus. <laughs> Samuel is woken in the night by the voice of God. He's not even familiar with it yet. He didn't recognize it at first. He's young, underqualified, inexperienced. But you know what? God qualifies. God qualifies. If he says you can do it, that's it. Right? Yeah. Okay, right. Yes. (laughs) And then we have um, Paul, also known as Saul. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing in Acts 9, breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found anyone there who belonged to the way, the way of following Jesus, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, you'll be told what you must do. And so Saul is interrupted on his journey to be supernaturally given his purpose in an incredibly supernatural encounter. But what I find comforting is that each of these heroes of the faith came to receive vision for their lives, purpose for their lives in completely unique ways. Some were burning bushes and visitations, but some of them were very ordinary ways. And that encourages me. Because sometimes I can look around and go, oh, that person's nailing it. They know exactly what they're doing and I feel like I'm floating. And they, they I, talk to me like you talk to them. That's not your journey. You're unique. God has created you um, to do something that only you can do on this planet. So let's not look around anymore except to encourage each other, yeah? Yeah. We see in these examples that God's purpose applies to people from every walk of life, every kind of beginning, every age. The purposes were unique as well. They're created for you and about you. Romans twelve six to 8 says we have different gifts according to the grace given us. Is, if a man's gift is prophesying, let him do it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging him, let him encourage. If it's um, contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Let's just grab a hold of what you are and give it to God with a little bit of oomph. Yeah? a little bit of zest, and a little bit of, okay, yes, let's do this. Even if you think that the thing that you're offering is small. Because there's incredible freedom in, op- in operating in your purpose. And we're all created with specific things and specific aptitudes, and those things are gifts from God. He designed us to complement the body of Christ by our membership in it. We all have different functions, but we belong to the same body. And we saw some of those heroes function in administration and others in leadership and others in obedience and others in finding their voice, even when it was shaking. We all have a purpose from God. We all come to it in different ways. But more than that, we're going to discover over the next few weeks that God uses every part of our journey so far in what he formulates for our future. Nothing gets wasted. A burden maybe it's a burden. Nehemiah gets the favor of the king. He rallies the people and the resources and keeps everyone focused. However, it aligned with pre-existing passions in his heart because Nehemiah cared about his homeland, which he'd never seen, but he cared about it. Sometimes it's a response that you're looking for. Esther responded to a threat and a need, but she used her past her current privilege, acknowledging that she was in the position that she was in for such a time as this. She needed prompting. It didn't come to her instinctively. She got a prompt and she chose her response. Sometimes it's a dream. Joseph's outworking of his personal vision actually involved him becoming Prime Minister of Egypt. But it started with the dream God gave him at 17 Sometimes it's a vision. Moses ended up in his purpose of delivering a people from slavery and into the promised land. But it drew on his experience growing up as royalty, his heritage as a Hebrew, his experience in the wilderness and his passion for his people. Sometimes it's a voice. Samuel ended up bringing the prophetic voice back to a nation, but it started with the circumstances of his birth. It started with his upbringing in the temple. It started because he witnessed other people being disobedient and didn't want to do that. Sometimes it's a visitation. Saul, who's name gets changed to Paul, ends up as a master builder in the early church. But it's his history as a learned Jew that opens doors and understanding of teaching, gives him credibility with the masses. Um, It's his birth as a Roman citizen that allows him to keep going where others can't go. And it's his experiences in prison that allows him to write the New Testament. All of these people found their purpose, orientated their life around it, but their life vision was the culmination of everything that they already were. I love that God does that because he sees you. He's knitted you together. He's created you to be the way that you are for purpose. It is not a mistake. Your experiences are not wasted. Yeah? How good is that? It's an encouragement. So the question is, what would your life look like if you woke up every day knowing what your purpose for life is. What would it look like if you were brave enough to go, yes, take all of me, all of the mess, all of the inexperience, all of the everything that I bring to the table and do what you will, God. Pretty cool life, right? I know that you're in that with me. So we're going to explore that over the coming weeks. I want to pray for you that you guys would discover it. Amen? Father God, I just ask that you would make your spirit known amongst us right now, Lord God. That you would speak to us, God, in whatever way you choose. And we know it's going to be different for everybody here. And I love that you are unique. And I love that you have created us to be unique. And that you have a unique purpose for us, God. That everything that we are, Everything that makes us us can be used by you, God, for your glory. And so, God, I pray that over the coming weeks that that you would open hearts, God, that you would release courage, that we would be able to courageously come before your throne and lay our lives down at your feet again, Lord God, and say, use us for your glory. Speak to us about our purpose, God give us hope for our future and for those who have put that aside father for those who have um, maybe had that shrink inside of them a little bit over time or have never believed it to begin with god i pray breakthrough i pray breakthrough right now lord god that you would break off chains of restrictions that don't exist for you god restrictions don't exist for you and we place ourselves in your hands they don't exist for us either God, change our hearts, forgive our unbelief, we place ourselves in your hands again this morning, in Jesus' name, reveal yourself, Lord, amen, amen. So we're going to continue the conversation, why don't you welcome Dan.
1: Thanks, Trish. Good word, yeah? I shouldn't have got a clap from walking from there to there. out uh, you clap. stepped up a step. Trish, we celebrate yeah, the wins.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's the little things. It's the
0: little things.
1: Funny you should say, I've tripped over that a lot, so I'm feeling quite, you know, all, all, all right about myself.
0: Yeah, that didn't at, happen today. You just a pause.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Trish, for coming all this way. And yeah, good word. If you've got a question for Trish, uh, 492 996 come to this phone. If you call in the next two minutes, you get a knife set. And uh, <laughs> it's just a, ma- a knife knife, a bath knife, a brick knife. It, it goes on.
0: I need a brick knife.
1: You need a brick knife. Yeah. We all need a brick knife. <laughs> I've just pressed something and I don't know where Kerry is because the things have disappeared. Do you know how to work this thing? Oh, here we go, Kesh. Thank you uh, while Kesh is doing that, um I'll kick off with a question can you uh thank you very much <laughs> Yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's that was probably more impressive than stepping up. Yeah, pretty step, much, yeah. that's right. Well done, Kessa. If uh, <laughs> and it the step. I, it was. did both. I know, right? That was more impressive. It's uh, it, and it, for men, it's hard. You know, we, you know, if I'm chewing gum and walking at the same time, it's a pretty good day. Trish, thanks, Dave. I appreciate that, mate. It's a terrible joke, but Dave laughs. It's nice. <laughs> um, can you? Briefly tell us about uh, the time or a time or a series of times in your life where your purpose, there was like aha moment.
0: Okay, we're diving right in deep. Yeah, good. (laughs) No, it's good, it's good. Um, Okay, well, I'm just going to be really um, vulnerable with you guys. I um, love my husband to pieces. Love my husband to pieces. Uh, But before I met him, I had dreams of, like, grand plans of city living and, like, international whatevers and, anyway, the the silly dreams of a 16-year-old girl about how grand my life was going to be. Now, my husband is a farmer in the same town that I grew up in. So, when I fell in love with him, that kind of meant change your plans, Trish, more. (laughs) Because the city living is going to be a bit awkward. So you won't see your husband, <laughs> etc. so um, so consequently because of that, over the years what I've recently like really recently discovered is that I kind of squished dreaming about what my life could be because I thought it had all of these boundaries and restrictions on it. and um, I've come only in the last 12 months to realize, what am I doing? what am I doing? Because I'm putting God in a box made by me that he's like, that's a nice box, Trish. But he's not even remotely in it. You know what I mean? He can't be um, enclosed like that. And so that's where I'm really passionate about speaking to you guys today about, about, let's not be timid about this stuff. Because I'm saying that to myself more than anyone here. I'm saying, no more am I going to say my life is restricted and and there's all these boundaries on it because of the obligations that I have and the, the decisions I've made and all of that stuff. God is bigger than that. And the purposes he works out through me do not need to look like what, I, what my 16-year-old self thought it should look like, but nor do they need to look like my 40-year-old self accidentally made it smaller. You know what I mean? So... It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your circumstances. God does use you. He uses you. He uses you in the small ways. Sometimes he gives us a grand, arching purpose. But let's take Esther for a second. She had one moment in time to be brave. She's known as a hero of the faith. We have no idea what the rest of her life looked like. Small things. People partnered with her for three days. They didn't eat, they didn't drink, because they, they were pushing everything that they had of themselves putting their lives on the line because at the outcome of what Esther would or wouldn't do at the end of that, they had no guarantee that she was going to be brave enough to say something. And so, you know, those guys were were living out that purpose in that moment. Let's not try and put our own human version on what is important to God anymore. Let's not do that. Let's value the stepping up the steps. <laughs> Let's, let's value the little things that we do where God uses us every day. And it adds up to a lifetime of faith and the ripple effect of that. We cannot perceive. We cannot perceive. Sorry.
1: Thanks, Trish. Um, I've got a question here. It says, love to the floating term. I'm floating and can't figure out my purpose. Any tips?
0: Yeah, well, as you just heard, I get you. <laughs> I've been floating for a little while myself. Um, I would say the tips are, well, what I've been doing over the last few months is I've actually been writing down the lies I believe about how God limits and and how my my life is limited, and I acknowledge them as lies. And I'm physically, just because it helps me, putting them like out in front of God and I'm offering them to God and I'm saying, okay, this is what I'm dealing with. Help me with my unbelief. Show me how you are working instead. That's because when we get so tied up in where, where we're not being used, we lose all of the things of where we are. And so it's, it's kind of similar to gratitude and ingratitude, Right? So there's been all these studies done about the power of gratitude and just finding three things a day that you're grateful for can change your entire mental health. Similar, in a similar way, I started to write down my gratefulness list was trying to be more God-focused, like this is how you used me today. I, I, I smiled at this stranger or just, you know, the little things if I couldn't find the big things. And you start to feed that instead of feeding this negative he's not there he's not using me I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not instead I am I am I am he makes me he makes me he makes me and find verses that back those things up and just feed that side of it and I know it sounds like a little bit of work but it might only take you 10 minutes a day I'm telling you it's worth it yeah
1: that's good because that answer sort of ties in with the next question so you've already sort of part answered it um i've been struggling with my mental health lately i've tried praying to god still find it very difficult i don't know what to do yeah
0: yeah so i guess i would start i i would start there i know it's when you're dealing with something really really hard and really really big being told to do something small kind of feels a bit like really especially if you've done it a bit before I get that. I really get that. But it doesn't make what you're being asked to do less true or less effective. (laughs) I love, actually, that God's solution to some things or the easing of some things that are hard are sometimes simple. How kind. How kind that he's not making us jump through 7,000 hoops to make life just a little bit better. And so if you can, feed into that gratitude thing. Um, if you can, um, there's, there's great studies out there about um, this thing called mindfulness. Now, some people over-spiritualize that. It just literally means just be still. And when I spoke to a Christian counselor a couple of years ago, they were like, they just added, be still and know that I'm God. Just 10 minutes a day, be still. Empty your mind of all things. Find one verse, and every time you want to think, Just go, I'm I'm shelving that for a minute. Just these 10 minutes are about this promise in the Bible. So there's little things that you can do. But honestly, if you really are struggling with your mental health, please seek help. That is the best thing that you can do. If you can find a Christian counselor who can come and partner with you um, on that journey just because they share that, um, that core values of what you have. Um, I really would encourage you, please reach out, talk to people, talk to your close friends, ask them to pray for you, allow yourself to be vulnerable, Um, allow yourself to be bold to go, I don't want to live that way anymore. So get some fight in your spirit and do the little things and then do the occasional big thing like asking for help. I know that's a lot harder to do. Yeah.
1: That's good, some good tools there. If you're like me, I work in pictures. It's really easy because words are too difficult, so God gives me pictures, one-syllable pictures. <laughs> but uh, it's I like the, the visual imagery of having like a little um, tool belt, yeah. a literal tool belt, yeah. um, and having these tools. So conversations like this is fantastic. Thank you, Pastor Trish, where you can go. I can add that tool to my tool belt. Yeah. Uh, we've probably got time for one or two more. The screen's just gone blank. Uh, What specific skills do you use to plan your purpose and faith journeys?
0: Um, I'm in prayer, talking to, um, you know, going going back to that verse. Was it Colossians? Did anyone write notes? Going back to that verse of um, the example of, hey, we pray for you all the time. We pray that you would get wisdom from God. We pray that he would reveal his purpose for you. We like that's it's in the scriptures. It's it's a principle that we can go. Oh, they did it! I can do that. So definitely, prayer um, is a specific tool. We're gonna we're gonna actually walk out a couple of more tools in this series um, and give you some ideas of how you find how you narrow down what is your skill set and. And, you know, how are you made and what it, what unique experiences do you have to offer and where are your passions and that type of thing. So I don't want to give too much away except to say, please be here for the next couple of weeks if that's something that you really want to d- dive into. Um, because, um, you know, there's, there's stuff that you can do just around getting to know yourself better um, around your temperament and your passions and your history that will kind of lead you in a direction. Like there's no way I'm going to be called to be a deep sea fisherman because God knows me too well. <laughs> that would be all kinds of bad, though there would be plenty of burly, lots of burly. So, um, it, you know, but what I'm saying is God knows you. And so as you get to know you in the context of how God has created you to be, um, it's going to narrow down some options for you for sure. But, um, yeah, definitely... Be here the next couple of weeks as we unfold more things that you can do in that space.
1: Thank you, Pastor Trish. Can we give Trish a big hand? Thank you. Um, thank you for being vulnerable and real. I think um, I personally really enjoy when speakers are transparent. And um, I think a lot of people, you know, that gels with us. How about I pray, and um, then I'm going to introduce Lisa real quick, and then we're going to leave. <laughs> I was going to say have coffee and stuff, but I don't think we're doing that yet. Cool. Let's pray. Uh, Father, your word says that um, before we were born, you knit us together, and uh They're easy words to read because that's like a favorite psalm. Um, But it means that you knew us and you had plans for us and purpose for us before we even uh, opened our eyes for the first time. Um, Father, I thank you that um, Pastor Trish is, is the kind of person that is real about where she's at and how she's going, she isn't sitting in some sort of glass tower, um, um, you know, voicing wisdom to all the rest of us, she's she's in the journey, and, and I'm really grateful for that. Uh, Father, we thank you for these stories of purpose, uh, examples of purpose, we thank you for the people who've gone before us, the great cloud of witnesses, each who... Um, even struggled with purpose or found it hard to hear or frightened or confused or whatever, but they did it anyway. Father, help us to be proactive in listening to you for our purpose. In
0: Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.